Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I'm your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, is here. We're talking about Sagnoms today with a very special third co-host, Michael. Scott Yeager of Challenge Mania of, uh, more importantly, Tribeca Mania and Sag Mania, mm-hmm. which is coming after the Sag Awards, Scott. We are, uh, we're thrilled to have you back and, uh, and uh, great, you know, great job, obviously. You're traveling the world and you're you're going to every major event on the planet, it seems, uh, and you're taking pictures with all the all the stars. It's it's a wonderful to watch you and live vicariously. But uh, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now I'm glad we're turning Sagmania into sort of a before and after affair. So uh, I'm happy to to rock with you guys. The uh, the word circuit and the timing of everything feels a little off this year. You know, mm. Golden Globes, then Emmys. It feels a little weird, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, excited to get it uh, get it done with you guys. How about the Bear getting season two Globes before it gets season one Emmys? It's wild. Mm. I mean, the Bear is so funny. It's like everyone's making the same joke about how funny the Bear is and this and that and the other thing. It's like, I mean, we, we've been playing Category Fraud for years. But, yeah, now it is weird that we are literally awarding. Because that show definitely took a step up in its second season. For sure, mm. um, and mm. I mean, I, I was told obviously that, or from someone who would know, because I thought that oh, the strikes, you know, they're gonna they're gonna hurt some of these shows that kind of you know are, are lingering for longer and didn't get to kind of you know do their uh, their exit press right away and whatnot. But I was told that they kept the Emmy wi- uh, voting window the same, so like it's not like they let gave people more time to marinate on their decisions. They still had them vote as if the Emmys were happening in September. They just are sitting on these results, so. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they uh, they take hold. But yeah, the bear the bear's awesome. I, I'm I'm totally cool with the bear love. I need some Italian beef too. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying for it. I got the gold belly ready, locked and loaded. I got to do Al's. I think. Stop. Stop. This has to. Stop. I haven't been. I mean, Scott. I mean, you've been to Chicago recently, right? I mean, relatively recently. Did you get Italian beef while you were there? I've had the beef. The beef's a little wet for me. I'm not like the biggest beef guy, you know. I've oh, definitely tried it. I've definitely it had so. it. I've definitely had it. Uh, I'm more of like a hot dog guy when I go there to these places, the port- okay. Portillo's and whatnot. Um, but maybe I haven't gone mm-hmm. to a place that's like, you know, good enough for me to enjoy the beef. But yeah, I'm in Detroit right now. I'm trying to figure out what their like local thing is in addition to the pizza that's really lasagna. But uh, <laughs> I love lasagna and I love pizza. So Detroit Detroit style pizza has got to be good. Come on. Is Detroit You're pizza the lasagna or Chicago pizza the lasagna? I forget now. Chicago's I can't, the, I can't. the deep dish. It's like, you know, just a, a casserole <laughs> of cheese, which I'm not yeah. against. So I had to watch these sag noms on the plane, uh, but luckily they're on Instagram. <laughs> so I did have enough internet to be able to watch Kumail Nanjani and Issa Rae deliver these from what looked like, you know, the finest laptop in all of uh, Bel Air. Uh, like, like, is this really what we're gonna, like? The, the pandemic is over, guys. Why? Why is this the presentation? Like, right? It's on. It, like the the SAG Awards are gonna be on Netflix. It's like hopefully maybe the biggest presentation I've ever had. The most people have the ability to kind of click and watch this in quite some time. I know it was on TNT and TBS, but I don't think anybody knew. 
And literally, that is how we are delivering the nominees on like a spot. Our, our connection right now is less spotty than what they. <laughs> no, granted, I watched it on a plane, but I couldn't tell if it was the plane or them. It was. Uh, come on, step it up, Sag. Do you think uh, Netflix was playing? Uh, you think they're playing it safe? Maybe not spending the money yet, waiting to see what it'll do on on the on the streamer. I cannot fathom what they're thinking. They have, like, every... I mean, the amount of people who are in town from the Globes and then the Emmys next week and, like, I mean, how much... these Netflix is, like, purchasing theaters. I know they bought one in New York. I'm pretty sure they bought one in L.A. just to, like, say, oh, yeah, Maestro's in theaters, we swear. Like, can't you just have them go there and film it on someone's iPhone and just have it look sort of more like a, a podium? Is a podium so much to ask? But we're going to see a lot of podiums in 2024. That's a podium I would have welcomed was a podium... And just have it, you know, the the faces up on the on the screen, you know. So we don't have to watch. No offense, Issa Rae like geeking out over her friends getting nominated and then herself getting nominated. I know that's like endearing, but I don't know. Act like you've been there before, Sag. That's all I'm saying. Well, we know Netflix doesn't have the budget for a podium or anything, uh, you know, extravagant. They're not big spenders, so uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's dive into some of these nominations, though, Scott. I, I guess just overall, like. Start with overall feelings or maybe what you thought was just something that caught your eye first and foremost before we get into the specifics of the categories. So SAG, uh, and I don't mean for this to rhyme, will occasionally zag uh, when it comes with some of the noms. And I think it did do that here. Um, it did that in a couple places where I think, you know, a few months ago I may have been savvy enough to predict and then I had kind of forgotten about mm-hmm. the naiads of the world and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. And then it did in a couple places where, you know, I'm like delighted to see Penelope Cruz nominated. You know, uh, I haven't seen The Color Purple yet, but I'm, you know, delighted to see Danielle Brooks nominated here. Um, and so it did it did zag in, in a couple places. And then as, you know, we've talked about internally, it stayed for the most part other than that kind of true to form. And I think it's, you know, sometimes it's hard to remind ourselves that in a year where, you know, the the sort of chalk, if you will, uh, ends up kind of playing throughout, isn't the worst thing in the world when the movies are good and the performances are good. So in a lot of these cases, and I can comment on most of these performances here, the performances are good. The movies are good. I'm glad these people are nominated. So like, like sometimes when, you know, someone gets in, like I was saying, I would have loved to see a Zac Efron get in, but not necessarily at the expense of a Killian Murphy or, or, or someone like that. So, you know, this is more or less what I expected. Uh, but I'm okay with that because, uh, because this has been a great year for films and, and ironically a film that is well represented here, maybe slightly more represent, more well represented than people that would have thought American fiction, um, gets that mm-hmm. extra Sterling K. Brown nomination is one of the two or three movies I have yet to see. And just from what I know about it, it looks like something I'm going to love. And so that's why I kind of had that movie penciled in uh, maybe to get some of these noms here. And uh, and it did. It delivered. So that would be the one, you know, the one thing. But other than that, yeah, no, this is this is like a nice mixture of good and slightly surprising. So you were DMing me when you saw Ferrari and Penelope Cruz stuck out to you as obviously Oscar worthy and otherwise you were kind of meh on on the movie. But uh, Penelope Cruz stayed with SAG voters. I think the big names, they did stay with SAG voters. And like you were saying, yeah, yeah, maybe the one obvious breakthrough in each one of these categories too, and maybe supporting actress Divine Joy Randolph and and Danielle Brooks, obviously breaking through in all the awards. So they're, they're both here. Otherwise it was like one breakthrough per category perhaps. And the big names, the chalk names, the ones we expected still got in. So yeah, in terms of surprises, I was surprised by kind of the names 
that came back into the fray, you know, because this didn't go international, it never does at SAG. Any other surprises for you in that vein? Um, again, like, so to me, Jodie Foster is both surprising and unsurprising, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes you see, you forget with uh, with SAG, you wonder, it's like, who is this voting body, right? So it's fellow actors, but it's everyone, including voiceover actors, extras, you name it. Um, and it's also a lot of journeyman actors and actresses, retired actors and actresses and who have been around for a long time and respect the work of a Jodie Foster or in the lead actress's case, Annette Bening. I think the reason that some of us have kind of mentally blocked those performances in that movie out of our mind is because, I don't know about you guys, I have not seen it. um, And I don't know where to see it, when to see it. I don't know anyone who's seen it. It sort of, to me, has become that movie where... You know, it'll be like the last movie a lot of people see because one of, if not both, of these women do sneak into Oscar. And you're like, on one hand, you're like, wow, I didn't expect that because nobody's really talking about this. But why wouldn't I expect that? These are the two of the most storied actresses or actors in general of the last 40 years. So SAG tends to tends to do that. Did that last year. Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, has done that in, in years past. So, um, you know, I would say, you know, those are kind of the mo- I, I guess those and Sterling K. Brown are sort of my most quote unquote surprising. But in a year that has so much, you know, when it comes to the quality of the films in the case of American fiction or so I'm told. And then the quality of the overall performer, as far as Jodie Foster and Annette Bening is concerned, they're on the surprising scale. They're not, you know, they're not higher than a six, you know, uh, but those I would say are, are kind of the, the big surprises. I'm not even really surprised by any of the misses per se either. Not Leo. Leo missing didn't surprise you? Raise your eyebrows? No, only because I was sort of mentally prepared for it because mm-hmm. so many people had said, you know, the thing about Leo is like I'll get I'll give you an example of to me uh, a better Leo performance uh, uh, you know in my opinion a better movie um, and one that kind of yes he got nominated for but was like instantly thrown aside for the somewhat flashier uh, Adam Driver and uh, Joaquin Phoenix performances was like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right totally and like Leonardo DiCaprio is is so good that like his floor is like you know. Oscar worthy uh, performance, but like he so very rarely gets over the hump to win. He's only done it once. He had to, you know, have intercourse with a bear to do so. Um, (laughs) Speaking of which, now the bear finally winning its Emmys and SAG Awards and Golden Globes. So on a delay, but the bear finally getting its regard. Uh, But like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is a guy who you go back and you watch Departed and you're like, wow, this is one of the best performances in like a movie like this I've ever seen. Didn't even get nominated. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for whatever reason with DiCaprio, he's just someone we just ultimately, I think, take for granted. This was a year where in that movie... He's sort of a deplorable character. He sort of represents what's wrong with the movie, if you even want to use the word wrong. Like, I think the reason that uh, that Lily Gladstone is getting so much love for this movie in ultimately what's a great performance, but one that is like really on the border of lead and supporting as far as screen time goes, the reason she's getting all the love for the movie is she represents, I think, what's great and what's right about the movie and what ultimately should be sort of being put forth as the narrative of this movie. Uh, and what happened was, obviously, they they kind of changed this book from being still not about Lily Gladstone, but being about the cop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and made it about this deplorable, unlikable Leonardo DiCaprio character. Not saying that didn't make it an enjoyable movie, but I do think it didn't necessarily set up Leo to be like, you know, flowered in compliments and awards when all is said and done. So um, I don't know if this is also going to happen uh, when the Oscar noms come out, but I just think, you know, this because of the movie, because Leo's Leo, you know, he 
I don't. It, no one really screams snub when it comes to Leo. No one really screams what about Leonardo DiCaprio? I think I, I think I ended up voting for Leo that year. It was either Leo or Driver, but it certainly wasn't Joaquin Phoenix. And it's just like by the time the award shows rolled around, nobody was even talking about Leo. And same thing with this. I think everyone's talking about Killian, Bradley, and Paul Giamatti, and then Coleman Domingo and Jeffrey Wright are such feel-good nominations here that Leonardo DiCaprio is like, I mean, when people are taking their pencils out to vote, they go, well, what's more exciting for me to do here? Give Coleman Domingo his first nomination, give Jeffrey Wright his first nomination, or give Leonardo DiCaprio what would ultimately be like his seventh or eighth or ninth that he has no chance of winning. Right. Obviously, give it to the guys where the nom is the win almost. You mentioned you mentioned uh, Flower Moon. You mentioned Lily Gladstone's performance. Let's stick in lead actress. Mike and I are most taken back or most surprised by the the absence of Sandra Huller and I guess just the bad day that Anatomy of a Fall had overall. Was that eligible? Could you have written those names down? What what happened with Anatomy of a Fall at the SAG uh, voting station? So I didn't have a nominations ballot this year like I did last year. I think you're only allowed to do it once every seven years or whatever. I sent you guys like what my spec ballot would have right. been. I don't know if you could have put her, but. That that being said, you could have put uh, you could have put Parasite the year that they they were nominated for an ensemble clearly and won ensemble. So I'd be surprised if you couldn't put her down. That being said, I'm not surprised she's omitted here. I'm almost more surprised about Greta Lee not getting in than her. Mm. Um, but so if it was by technicality, that kind of answers your question there. But if not, I'm not surprised by her being omitted just because again we're talking hundreds of thousands of actors here. And I'm as big of a, a movie buff among them as anyone, and I have still yet to get to Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, part of the reason being is I find, now I know a lot of the movie is in English, or so I've been told, uh, but that being said, when something is pitched to you as being an international film or having subtitles of any kind, it's kind of hard to fit that in while you're on the elliptical or want to watch that on your phone or you know things like that. So it's like, you know, obviously not to say that movies like Parasite, which I named, haven't broken through and performances in these international performances haven't broken through. But in a year where you have a Margot and an Emma and a Lily Gladstone and an Annette Bening getting in, you know, Carrie Mulligan, who I think people are starting to forget about as well, like, you know, and Greta Lee, like, I'm not surprised that not that I don't think the people who didn't vote for Sandra Hewler saw it and said she's not one of the best five in my opinion it's probably at this point mathematically just a lot of people who haven't gotten to it yet um but that being said you know they do the screenings they do the screeners people are supposed to have seen it before they get their votes in but like let's be honest a lot of these people probably saw barbie in a sold out theater in july before they were even thinking of their sag ballot if they watched anatomy of the fall they probably caught it on their screener had to get it in under the wire during the holidays things like that so i just think you know again such a good year you're going to have some odd women out and odd men out and you know again i probably would have had her or greta lee in over annette benning but if some of these voters particularly some of these more to use the word traditional voters maybe popped in naiad first and loved what annette benning did you know it's harder for Sandra Hewler to push her out at that point because she's in that betting and Sandra Hewler at this point is a bit of an unknown commodity. So as is Greta Lee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely want to keep talking about hits and misses with you here. Uh, we'll kind of move into the tallies. Barbenheimer, Oppenheimer, For a Piece, Leading the Day. You already mentioned American Fiction as one of your huge like overall winners right off the top. Killers of the Flower Moon, I would say, is that other, I mean, top-tier movie that people have been looking at. So I'm wondering who you think got stronger 
and weaker out of that top tier. Barbie, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, no DiCaprio, no Cara Jade Myers from Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, no America Ferrari, Ferrera from Barbie, and yes, it was... And yet, excuse me, it was kind of a flex that Barbie got, like, best stunt ensemble on the day. So what do you think of those top three? How did they do? Well, you know, I had them all penciled in, those three, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Barbie. And, like, they were they were my top three ensembles of the year. They're all mm. just, like, in the truest sense of the term, like, utter ensemble movies in addition to, of course. So we have this conversation, I feel like, every year. And of like what ensemble should be for? Should it just be a mirror of well, if you have the four lead nom, you know, the four lead categories in acting, should those should yeah, should that deserve an ensemble? And a lot of these cases, it does in that regard too. They're very well represented in lead acting categories, or at least some of them. Um, but then also, I love that it should represent six, seven, eight on the call sheet. Now, what's tricky about that, as Dave Crumholtz has has mentioned to me on Twitter, like he's not technically eligible to receive a statue for being part of this amazing Oppenheimer uh, ensemble. I don't know if you have in front of you Burn where the down. line is drawn. With, so, yeah, right. But like, same for Barbie. It's like, how Burn many it all of down. the Kens and Barbies? <laughs> like, you know, like, because Issa Rae was very happy to have quote unquote been nominated today. You know, does that, does, you know, we know John Cena's not getting one for playing the mermaid mm. for about five seconds, but I'm saying like, you know, but like, you know, is Michael Sarah part of this ensemble, you know? Uh, and whether or not they are, what I will tell you as someone who voted last year, I don't don't care I vote with that in mind and so for me right killers of the flower moon you know a lot of those you know Native American actors and actresses and those performers who add to the authenticity authenticity of the movie and who as a voter you obviously would love to in some capacity show some love to this is obviously mm. the way to do it whether they're physically getting a statue or their name is on the recipients list or not right so that to me immediately puts killers of the flower moon in there and I'll say even a guy and I, I tweeted about this there's these smaller performances uh, in these movies that um, that uh, that that they have in this movie, and I, my mind is blanking on his name. Uh, I'm looking it up right now while I'm filibustering. Jason Isbell, right? Who has, in my, oh, yeah. I, to the best of my knowledge, has never been in a movie. Okay, he is a country rock folk singer. He wrote a lot of the music in um, A Star Is Born. He's respond. So the song that uh, Bradley Cooper sings at the beginning of A Star Is Born the one that he sings acoustically in the club that kind of wins over Lady Gaga and everything like that. Mm -hmm. He wrote that song. That's a Jason Isbell song, right? So he's sort of been circling the, the movie industry from afar. But he's got one of those that guy looks, right? He just looks like a guy who would have been a racist bastard in the time period of this movie. Right? Uh, not to say he is in real life, but like perfect character actor casting by uh, Martin Scorsese here. And like, again, I don't know if he's one of the people set to receive an, a, a SAG award if they win this, but like... That's something that I think, you know, for a movie like Killers of the Flower Moon, I would have loved to have, you know, put pen down to vote for them. Same for Barbie, getting so creative with, you know, Emerald Fennell, obviously directed and wrote Saltburn. She plays, I forget the character name, but it's like the pregnant Barbie in Barbie. Uh, you have Dua Lipa in there. You, you know, you have uh, Simu Liu, who obviously is very funny in that kind of heelish Barbie role, or heel, heelish Ken role. So, like... These are true ensembles, like down to the, I don't know, 16th person on the call sheet. Same for Oppenheimer. Josh Hartnett, Josh Peck, mm -hmm. you know, you got Gary Oldman coming in there for a scene. You got Matt Damon, you know, throwing 90 miles an hour the whole movie. So, like, those three, like, I think in any other year are some of the strongest ensemble contenders to win of all time, right? And that's why, like, I had them penciled in from Jump Street 
And if any of those were missing here, I would have been shocked, right? So then it goes to who gets the other three slots. And to me, I think it's like, you know, those movies, their strength is their ensembles. Get th Those three getting a nom here in ensemble doesn't help any of their cases at all. Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Barbie, they come in, they feel the same way coming out of it. The two, obviously, that fill in those other slots, to me, were tremendously helped by being nominated here. American Fiction, at this point, has sort of been the Jeffrey Wright show, right? He's been the one who mainly has gotten the nominations here. I know Sterling K. Brown's picked up a couple elsewhere. But, like, now to hear that's an ensemble, which like I had heard, but I don't know that the general voting public had heard that, makes you frame the, the movie differently and I think really helps its best picture uh, chances. And then same goes for Color Purple as well, where you know, you've heard a lot about the individual performances, but have you looked at it as being sort of an ensemble piece and whatnot? And that movie, a lot of people have questioned its legitimacy as a best picture candidate. So I think those two really, you know, I think gain a lot of steam here for the noms when it comes to us. Mm. Now, does that catapult them into best picture winner you know at that level absolutely not but a lot of people had wondered you know does color purple get that ninth or tenth nom now i think it, it probably does and yet there was a lot of parody uh especially amongst the the tallies overall movie by movie i mean with those surprises like sterling k brown making it gave american fiction three uh leo not making it uh, kept uh killers of the flower moon at three Nyad had those surprise too i mean there was, what, one, two, three, six, nine movies right now with two or more noms apiece uh, just in the SAG for the movie side. Were you surprised by, like, the spreading of the love? Or, I mean, in your uh, history of this and voting in this, is that how you, do you, like, make it a point to try and spread out as much as possible? Or do you just kind of worry about, I'll pick the best and let the chips fall where they may? Um, I do like to do it to spread when possible and when ethical and when it's not necessarily your, your, you know, um, and I do think sometimes it's like, you know, when, when an ensemble, you feel like someone was, you know, like uh, clearly, I mean, what this tells me, and again, I haven't seen the movie yet, but like for, for Sterling K Brown to get the nomination here. Uh, in supporting actor, that tells me that you know his performance is not just you know being looked at as part of that ensemble. It's like oh, it's, it's a deep cast, like in some of these other movies, that he stands out and that it stands out. Also tells me you know he's got a likability factor that I think has been the case since you know obviously since this is us and he's just you know someone who every single person he meets you know he does very well in these rooms and in these social settings and whatnot. And he's been great giving speeches whenever he's had to and things like that. And he's an easy guy to root for. Um, but like, you know, I just think that to me, would I personally have voted for him just to sort of, you know, give American fiction three spots instead of instead of two? No, I probably would have been content giving uh, American fiction ensemble and feeling like that includes Sterling K. Brown, you know, Um but that being said, you know, uh, when it comes, like, for instance, like Oppenheimer, right? Oppenheimer has so many great supporting uh, characters, right? That everyone has sort of been thrown to the side other than Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. is sort of, obviously, he's in more of the movie than most of them. But, like, in, in years past, we saw Bradley Cooper get nominated for an amount of screen time in Licorice Pizza. This was at the SAG Awards. He got nominated. Um, I even think I might have voted for him that year because um, I, I remember not loving the supporting actor ballot that year. Um but he gets nominated for being in as much of Licorice Pizza as all the guys I named before were in Oppenheimer, right? Mm. And I say guys, I don't mean and women. There's no women in Oppenheimer. But uh, <laughs> but no, the 40 guys that are hey, in Emily the, Blunt know, got nominated. Emily Blunt Emily got Blunt, nominated. yes, yes, yes. For playing a woman in Oppenheimer. No, but, but, but no. But, in a Nolan but movie, these guys, I think, overall, yeah. 
And the woman who was in, I forget her name, uh, but she was in The Wackness and she was in Juno. She plays like, uh, she's in she's in Oppenheimer. Right. She has a scene or two. Um, and of course, Florence Pugh. But <laughs> but I joke, but a lot of these guys who are in it for a scene and are, again, per- picture perfect in it, Crumholtz included and whatnot, you know, in other years have been able to crack a ballot. You know, this year, not so much. Such a deep year, I think, that you're really not able to, to double up as much. Here's another guy who I just think such a crowded year. What about the kid in Holdovers, right? Who, I yeah. mean, talk about if they ever do an origin, uh, go back in time and do a prequel of The Sopranos when uh, we're going to do the Finn story. Finn, who, of course, dates uh, who dates uh, a Meadow for the last couple seasons of Sopranos. You know, he has the run-in with Vito yeah. at the construction yeah, 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 site. Yeah, yeah, Finn. Yeah. If we ever need to I tell that guy's Finn. story on screen again, we're bringing the kid in from Holdovers because he's a doppelganger. Do it but, now. But, he's ready now. <laughs> but he's so good in it, and he's not sniffing any of these, you know, because it's just such a crowded field. So um, I do think a lot of these people have been penciled in since Jump Street, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, I like a little bit of, I don't want to say chaos, but I like a little bit of surprise. And I think, you know, having Sterling K. Brown get in there is enough of a surprise. You don't, and again, the surprises here, when the Prizes are, in quotes, Penelope Cruz and Sterling K. Brown. You know, it's like, I I mean, I haven't listened to him yet because I just got to my hotel here in gorgeous, sunny Detroit. But, like, you know, I have a hard time believing a lot of the pundits are going to, granted, I haven't listened to the thing that you guys taped already, so maybe you did, (laughs) but are going to be, like, going nuts over who was, you know, omitted for those people, right? Uh, Even if your favorite got left out, it's, like, kind of hard not to be okay with Penelope Cruz, you know, particularly because how good she is in Ferrari and Sterling K. Brown and, and, or, you know, Coleman Domingo and things like that. So it's like, you know, I don't think anybody shoved anybody out who you're not like still okay with having gotten in Jody Foster included. Well, that's a great segue. But to, I haven't like, heard what you guys said, so maybe you did. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a great segue to the who got weaker part of this because, you know, last year we have All Quiet on the Western Front getting the BAFTA boost into the rest of the season and obviously doing extremely well at Oscar. It didn't need anything from SAG, and it didn't get anything from SAG. You know, this year we have BAFTA favorites like The Zone of Interest, All of Us Strangers, Anatomy of the Fall, uh, Saltburn kind of in the mix there, but we always see this we always see the the critical darlings and the critical uh, kind of field change when we get to the guilds when we get to the academies and then it kind of molds into one when it comes back to the oscars and triangle of sadness all of a sudden is doing you know well again with austin getting two and still getting best picture. So I'm wondering what you think about the past lives, the May Decembers, the salt burns, all of us strangers. I mean, anatomy of a fall zone of interest, all of those that you would have to say lost on the day because they got blanked, but they probably still show up later. How concerned are you for that list in a way? So I still feel good about, for whatever reason, I still feel good about past lives. Um, Mm. I just think past lives is. How do you justify that though? In. After this, after today, blank. How do I justify right. that after today? Yeah, because um, I think Greta Lee's been the only one who really has been getting the acting love for that movie, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's really director, screenplay, picture. Um, those are uh, score I've even seen in some places, although I think it might have missed the long list. Like that, that's kind of where, and Greta Lee's been kind of the face of that movie. I think a lot of people have been talking about, uh, what is it, Manjaro, um, as you know, being kind of a sleeper, but um, certainly it would have been weird if he got in here and Greta Lee didn't. Uh, so I still feel good about that one. 
Um, I will say I don't feel great about now. Okay, I personally loved Saltburn. Um, I mm-hmm. also, in loving Saltburn, was well aware that there's a good chance that this is a 0.0 Oscar nominations movie. Um, <laughs> maybe getting in for a production design or something like that, or sneaking in there. Or, but, but like you know, again, you you get you get hopeful when you see Rosamund Pike get nominated for the Golden Globe, mm-hmm. Barry Keoghan get nominated for the Golden Globe. Sure. Um, but like to see this not that not show up here, I I was not shocked. You know that was a movie. You know had I had a ballot, I would have voted for it. I would have voted for it in an ensemble. I think I had a great ensemble. Um, but you know again to go back to BAFTA, uh, you know I think they just released. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen like every long list, but I know like Jacob Elordi is getting like the uh, the young what is it young up and comer nomination and things like that and. It's obviously a predominantly British cast, so I could see some more love over there. I just think it's not really an Oscars movie. Doesn't need to be, never needed to be, and that's fine. I think it's wishful thinking for us to ever think it would be. I think May December is kind of the elevated version of that, right? I think May December still will get in uh, with um, now. We we uh, now what's surprising to me with May December? It's it's almost less surprising to me. Um, that Melton got left off, even though he's the one who's won, and more surprising that you know that we didn't get one of the bigger name actresses in from that movie, just because as we see, you go down the list here, the SAG noms tend to defer sometimes to star power. Um, again, that movie is also one like Saltburn that I always thought the Oscar hopes for, and that includes nominations, is a bit wishful thinking, like. I never really saw it as a best picture contender. I did see it in screenplay. And I'll be honest, I did think like Melton would get in. And I thought like one of, if not both of the two ladies would get in as noms. But I never really saw it as like an actual contender. I am surprised to see that one get completely blanked here. I will say um, between those three. Um, and so it's it's interesting because I, I guess like Saltburn had it shown up here. I would have thought, oh, okay. Like, if Rosamund had showed up here, I, I would have thought, okay, maybe Rosamund is getting in on Oscar Sunday instead of Jodie Foster or whomever, right? Um, now that she's not here, I think that's probably a stretch, you know? Whereas I do think when the Oscar nominations come out, I think Greta Lee, I think, still has a solid chance. And I still still think at least two out of three of those May-December actors get in, Um but yeah, those are those are definitely the May December. I think is the most shocking one here to get completely blanked because it had three people. You know, I had Melton. Melton's been penciled into me on my internal lists after slash alongside RDJ and Ryan Gosling and Robert De Niro since he started winning those because he won those first two precursor awards. You know, I forget what they were exactly, but I think it was Gotham and New York Critics or something like that. And then I saw the movie and was like, oh, now I get why you guys have been throwing, you know, awards at this guy. He's great in this movie. And he's sort of like the most authentic part of this movie. And and just, so to see him not get that here is pretty damn surprising, I must say. Yeah, I'll even jump in. I was, I mean, I, my, I've registered my thoughts about Charles Melton's performance in that movie overall. I'm not a fan oh, of it. Oh, have you? Uh, yeah, I've, really? I've said it once or twice. But this? I was surprised to uh, to see him be omitted as well. And, and I mean, you, you make a good point, but I do wonder if it even goes back to something you said earlier, like, yeah, maybe Natalie Portman didn't make it, but maybe she was bumped off by Jodie Foster. And can you really be mad at that? I mean, you, you're not going right. to be mad that Jodie Foster does show up. So I think you make a, a couple of good points there. Yeah, again, it's like these people weren't, 
left off for people that you can just uh, now again it it does uh, did you guys see niad yes Okay, so I'm gonna need to live Mike, vicariously. Did you see Niad, Mike? Yeah, not not a fan of that one. I like Joe. I, I I'm on record saying Jodie Foster is great in it, and I think she should be nominated. Yeah. Annette Bening in the movie, I'm eh, not so not so much a fan. So is it one of those like? Is it gonna be one of those where you know people watch it and they go, okay, I see it. I see why these performances are getting heralded. I just it's not my movie. Or is it when it you depends, watch it, are Scott. you going the- really? Scott is swimming acting to you. <laughs> it doesn't count as acting. She, she's she's swimming. And that betting is swimming. She's Absolutely really swimming. Yes. Absolutely. No doubt. Is that and is that like well documented the same way? Like did she go like six years deep like Bradley Cooper and six feet deep as well? <laughs> like did she? It's uh, it's it's, know, it's an that... interesting point because like I think like if that was documented as heavily as what Bradley Cooper's been talking about doing the maestro thing, like I think it would endear it more to people. But I haven't read or seen that, yeah. so I don't know that that's the case. Yeah, that is, I mean, that is the one kind of head scratcher. Uh, if it were other people, uh, I would be scratching my head harder. But when it's them, right. you know, you go, yeah. I mean, because look, Jodie Foster recently, I'll admit, I never got around to seeing it. But like at a certain point, I was thought I would. She had the film a couple of years ago where she was like a lawyer. And there was, a, you know, some sort of, a, what was it? The, the moratorium. Was, was that it? The one right. The, uh, uh, exactly. Mauritanian. Mauritanian. The Mauritanian. Moratorium. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Would have been a better lawyer film, but yeah. (laughs) So it it does. She seems like one of those people where that when there's a chance to nominate her, you know, people clearly want to do that, you know. And you know, again, they're never they're never turning in bad work, but you know, um, and it might be. Look, May December was a very polarizing movie, present company included. Not me. You can guess who. (laughs) You know, like obviously, did it work for everybody? The score flat out, like, I think repelled a lot of people from Mm. wanting to, you know, give that movie any flowers whatsoever. I just, it worked for me, you know? So, in turn, those performances worked for me. I like movies like that. It's not like your average film. Um, And Nyad, without even seeing it, I I can guarantee you is like your average this movie would have at least been an Oscar Beatty kind of movie in every decade since 1940 mm. and that kind of movie, right? Is that what it is kind of, right? I, it's it's very, rel- yeah, I mean, it's very reliant on the two leads there. I mean, lead and supporting, however you want to classify it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's very, very Annette Benning focused and Jodie Foster plays a huge role, so yeah. Well, Julianne Moore had to sink so that Jodie Foster could swim and <laughs> vice versa. <so. laughs> Anyway, man, we really appreciate you hopping on today. People don't know, like you're in transit. You yeah, are the backstory of the, Scott joining us at all today is a minor miracle, and we really, really do appreciate it. He, he's not really lying. He watched that. the show on the plane, and he just hopped into his hotel room and, and got on with us asap. I wasn't gonna let you guys do it without me, so you know, you guys are thanking me, but really, you should be like, did he just strong arm us in the hell? But uh, but no, I ultimately, I, I mean, I'm just really happy. I think this movie year has really, really been great, and I, uh, I think we're gonna have one of. Uh, not since 2019, and it, well, I know some of you guys. I forget which Mike, but one of you guys doesn't love Parasite as much as I it's, do. It's, it's me. I do if, feel... if there's a movie with <laughs> pure hatred attached to it on the show, it's usually me. I I will say that I I I feel the momentum sticking with uh, Oppenheimer. I it has not gotten yeah. at least yet uh, that toxic form of sort of uh, backlash that 
somehow has been tacked on to solely Bradley Cooper somehow. <laughs> like literally everyone on the internet Poor wakes guy. up every day yeah. saying, I have to make sure that no one thinks that my show is worth watching or good or that Bradley Cooper delivered a worthy performance. And to me, the hate has gone way too far on that one. Um, and then hopefully, like, when, if Killian Murphy goes and wins SAG, people can realize, oh, we can take a step back. We can stop, like, you know, really hating on Bradley Cooper. But, I mean, to me, I think Oppenheimer was one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, and very few times in history has that ever been echoed by director winning and the movie winning and mm. the cast being either properly either nominated or awarded, things like that. So far, after the Golden Globes, and I think we all know the highlight after Joe Coy, was the fact that it seemed like in every category, you know, best picture included and whatnot, like these are all great movies, great performances, but that I think at the end of 2023, a great movie year as a whole, Barbie included, Killers of the Flower Moon, Moon included, I will be very happy if we can finally say, oh, like to use an analogy, Saving Private Ryan won, you know, or in this case, you know, where they do win, No Country for Old Men won, or Parasite won. Like that does not happen often. Yeah. Like if you go to the history of the Oscar, like, and it seems like we're going down that train where Christopher Nolan, maybe Killian Murphy, you know, hopefully Ludwig Goransson, who again is one before, so it's not like it's oh, like, you know, like he seems like he might be the, like to me, he's as good already of a composer as anybody. But like when you look back at Hans Zimmer and you count the amount of awards he's won, it's pretty staggering how few he's won. When you look at John Williams, who's so prolific and has written, and you look at how few he's won, it's absurd. Ludwig Göransson, it seems like, could this be the first composer who not only is delivering great work from a relatively early age, but is also awarded almost every time he does, you know, mm. uh, that could be cool, mm. you know? So I'm just like, I'm, I'm feeling ultimately very positive about the whole thing, these nominations included. So although there are some snubs here, in my opinion, like I'm trying not to be too too down on it because although like we do love people, we do love things to hate on and to question and this and that, I mean, ultimately it was just a very, I think, solid film year, you know, and uh, and now these people are, are reaping the rewards and awards. So, um, yeah. And I'm excited to hear what you guys recorded uh, before I got here. And uh, I know you're putting <laughs> oh, it on be. after uh, <laughs> after I leave. So I will leave you with this. Do me a favor. And after I leave, please answer the following questions. I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you guys for having me. And uh, I look forward to listening to all your coverage and hearing you guys chat with uh, David Long. I will say, by the way, it is so bittersweet for me to hear about these odds. Because so I live in New York. Yeah. Uh, I You can't bet on, quote unquote, entertainment or exotics, mm -hmm. whatever they call it in New York. I've, I do travel a lot. I've looked, I have to look today in Detroit. I looked last place I was in Indiana last weekend because I wanted to get bets in on the Globes. And I couldn't, I couldn't, you can't bet on them there either. So I can't, I hear about you, mm -hmm. you guys are going through the, the, uh, the odds so well with your expertise and things like that. Uh, and I wasn't even able to get any bets in. So I listen to you guys and I'm just like living vicariously through anybody who can put a sprinkle on any of this stuff. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's 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 rough. I mean, it's it's got to go offshore, and otherwise, and even then, it's like, all right, you're taking I'm not your, doing that. Yeah, come you're on. taking With, you're taking your money and your this stuff is come on, right? You're, you're, you're not hoping. going back to the Bovada days where nobody where you never cashed <laughs> exactly. out because you were scared. Exactly, you're like, man. You're like, I'm just gonna keep losing money because I don't want to know what winning money looks like. Yep. And if I get down, I'm like, you know, um, but yeah, I don't even know. Like, I, I mean, you guys tell me. Maybe you talked about it in the outro. Like, a lot of these things seem to be locked up. 
uh, as far like so I don't know where the uh, the good plays are, but um, there would have been a couple of them at the Globes, right? Like there were like Killian Murphy oh, yeah. probably would have been a solid play there, right? The Globes are always where you they have the wildest odds because it's the first you know to set the table. Uh, you know, every year. Yeah, so, we'll yeah. always have Ross exactly. Pike fourteen to one. Exactly. We'll have it. I don't know how I was able to do that. I know what state I was in when I when I put that bet in. I was. I want need to go back to that state. I need to be having every challenge many live in whatever state. Let me put that bet in. <laughs> Scott, we really appreciate it, buddy. We'll have you back, obviously, uh, after the sags are done. Take care, Thanks, guys. Scott. Talk soon. All right, our thanks to our buddy Scott Yeager and through the magic of uh, internet editing and, and, and technologically, you know, I was going to say wherewithal, but I don't have any, neither do you, Mike. Uh, <laughs> no. in, in brutal honesty, we're recording this part, the second half of this episode, before we are joined by Scott in real life, and we're putting Scott at the forefront of the episode uh, today, so if we repeat anything in the second half it's because of of that fact we're recording this second half first but again uh, we wanted to thank our buddy scott for joining us uh, it's always a pleasure having him on and we're going to get into some of the mm-hmm. stats and uh some of the ins and outs about what's going on here on the sag nominee day michael yeah so let's update some best picture betting odds and this is before the sag ensembles dropped but this is after the golden globe so we figured this would be interesting uh, to everybody uh as we're going to kind of go into these big six categories at the sag awards but we do have oppenheimer now shortening to only minus 333 three out of ten fractional odds there michael but uh minus 333 shortened since last time poor things is a plus 500 that's like a mean i don't you take like the most common listed line sometimes. yeah or i i do whatever yeah it's just some it's sometimes it's most common sometimes it's mean like you did i do i do whatever killers of the flower moon is plus 800 in that third position the holdovers 10 to 1 barbie 12 to 1 so that's gotta be that, shocking right i think that drifted a little bit barbie, no it was 16 Oh, really? Barbie was 16 to 1 when we were talking with David Long. It misses at the Golden Globes like it did, and now it's shortening. And yet the Golden Globe Foundation members, if they're listening right now, are doing the, uh, what's that, uh, Treasure at the Sierra Madre dance, the one that (laughs) Robin Williams so often, no, excuse me, Billy Crystal. Why there's somebody from the eighties. <laughs> Billy Crystal often imitated as the happy dance before, you know, Adam Sandler did the happy dance and therefore now Barbie shortened after winning the cinematic or box office cheating yeah. at the Golden Globe. And this Globes, these are stats these are stats before the, the SAG noms were announced, you said? These are the betting yes. odds? So yes. with, I, I, with I, Barbie's great yep. day at SAG, it has to shorten even more. It's gotta be ten to one. Barbie's winning best picture, guys. Could be. <laughs> Anatomy of a Fall is 14 to 1. We have three major contenders in American Fiction, Past Lives, and Maestro all at 20 to 1. American Fiction Uh, has to shorten and Past Lives has to fade after today. Well, after SAG, there's no question. Uh, The Color Purple and The Zone of Interest are both 25 to 1 for Best Picture, and May-December is 40 to 1. Those are the uh, noms I wrote down. Obviously, American Fiction, Barbie, Color Purple, Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer. Those are your SAG Ensemble nominees, Michael. And I did want to go over the stat here because we wonder sometimes, do these, you know, crossover stats matter for categories mm-hmm. like Ensemble or, you know, Outstanding perform- Performance by a Cast in a Motion Picture? They s- kind of sort of do. Mm-hmm. So let's go over it. So in terms of the winners, it's 14 out of 29. There's, this is the 30th SAG Awards. 14 out of the last 29. That's only a 48.2%. But in terms okay, of the winning, be- in, in terms of winning SAG Ensemble and winning Oscars Best Picture, 
Correct. Okay. But the BAFTAs had like a 41% forever, especially right. in their early days. So I'm not necessarily reading too much into that. But here's where the crossover matters, Michael. Out of the last uh, 70 nominations, okay. which means, what did I write down? Since since the Best Picture category at the Oscars went to you know the 8 to 10 okay. uh, nominees, expanded to, to 10 in 2009. Since that happened... SAG Ensemble to Oscar noms, 52 out of 70, which is 74.2%. That's a great crossover. And you're going 5 to 10, so you would think that'd be a higher than 50% average, certainly, yeah. Five SAG noms Still for good? Ensemble to 10 Oscar noms. Yeah, that's a... That's... I'll take it. And, I mean, with these... I, I'm sure this is something we talked about with Scott already, but, like, the color purple has to be thrilled. Because yeah. it's kind of been on the fringes here of best picture relevancy and consideration, and now this is a major step. So I would that think being said, they're very happy with this. That being said, Michael, the last time SAG Ensemble went five for right. five was twenty fourteen, and so <laughs> twenty ten is the only other time. That Barbie's a lock. You know, the- Flower Moon's a lock. Oppenheimer's a lock. American Fiction has a stronger case in the color purple. Yes. I would say so. At least it's been ranked higher on the punditry yeah. list. But yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you where these SAG stats matter most, though, and where the SAG voting matters most. SAG. SAG voting matters most is uh, in my predictions, because every year I rely way too heavily on what the SAG does for my Oscar picks. Mm-hmm. And it leads mm-hmm. me down the, to ruin. Unless it's like last year and you you go four for four. Did that happen? I don't remember what you do because I try to ignore you most of the time, but I don't remember what you picked. But last year, SAG went four for four with Jamie Lee with uh, the three, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once and, and Brendan Fraser. Oh, anyway. I did pick that, right? I, I remember picking Jamie Lee Curtis because of Halloween. <laughs> I'm a man at of principle. You're, you're not a hard man to read. You're not a hard man to read. But... Uh, Anyway, I do think I do think the SAG ensemble crossover to Best Picture does matter, at least in the nomination way. Uh, in terms of the stunt ensemble, not so much to VFX. And the VFX Oscar is obviously a very different category mm-hmm. than this, you know, out, outstanding performance by a stunt ensemble at SAG. It's very different. But I just wanted to check and be sure. I did out the last five years. It's twelve out of the last twenty-five nominations crossing over. So no, that really doesn't help. I'm kind of glad it doesn't because those should be two distinct and separate entities. Lord knows they're two completely different sets of people working on them. Absolutely. I agree. So I'm I'm glad. So there's still hope in the world, but uh, uh, in terms of the stunt ensemble, uh, I'm glad to see Barbie get in. They had all the dancing. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Indiana, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny with the horses and New York City subways. John Wick Chapter 4, I mean, come on. And then Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, I mean, come on. With I mean, the of horses and the New York City subways. Yeah. It, it was, well, yeah, I mean, you Jones, can't describe many Destiny. films in 2023 like that. You had an 80-year-old man riding a horse in a New York City subway. It, it, it You need... You need stunts. Indiana Jones and the horse's ass. Yes. And the, how the hell did he not break his hip? <laughs> uh, Napoleon was Napoleon was the wild snub there. Uh, maybe we talked mm-hmm. about it with Scott. Maybe we didn't. This is an odd position to be in, not knowing what we talked about. Honesty already, is the okay. best policy. 
we were honest about it. That's so right. we're going to kind of go category by category, get the numbers out of the way for some folks here. And uh, we'll, we'll start with lead actor. I kind of did a big thing about the uh, Oscar odds and, and the resumes and the scoreboards. So, okay, the top four resumes Michael got in. Killian Murphy of Oppenheimer after his Golden Globe win, minus 250. Bradley Cooper of Maestro, plus 450. He's drifted from plus 150. Paul Giamatti, you would have thought he would have shortened more. I don't think Vegas takes that comedy or musical win all that seriously because he's he's at plus six hundred right now. I would have thought he, he was maybe Cooper. he was maybe plus eight hundred before. So yeah. no, he has not really jumped Cooper in Vegas yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jeffrey Wright ten to one, Coleman Domingo the fifth SAG nom is sixteen to one. Is is Leo still getting the Oscar nom in your mind? <clears throat> It's very unlike SAG to ignore Leo. That's kind of a red flag. That was the biggest. I mean, I know we had, you know, the the Charles Melton of it all, Dominic Sessa missing. I'm sure we talked about all this stuff already. But the biggest snub to me, the most glaring one, was Leo missing. And not because I think, you know, he's a slam dunk nominee or certainly I don't think he's a threat to win this year, but he's just been there the whole season. And he's Leonardo DiCaprio, for God's sakes. So the fact that he's not there and Killers still landed the, the noms it did on SAG is kind of a, whoa, okay. Interesting. And yet, this is the first time we've seen the cadence category. So you got to take, you got to give it some merit, especially with sure. the huge crossover between SAG and the and the Ampus. So, yeah, I'm saying it, I'm, yeah. like it might be a, a harbinger of things to come. But yeah, I mean, Leo is one of six guys who have gotten Globe, Choice, and BAFTA long list. I just so still he's... wonder if that, if, you know, if Rustin's strong enough to bring Coleman Domingo to the Oscar stage. It's going to get the song, and it seems like SAG watched the movie, which yeah. is kind of my thesis statement on the day. What has SAG watched? Mm. I don't think SAG really watched The Zone of Interest and in Mass yet. I don't think Christian Ferdell standed a chance regardless. I wonder if they watched Past Lives. I wonder if they're like, you know, my whole they family. Had to like, oh, that was fine. Like, my family liked Past Lives. They were like, oh, they texted me. Yeah, but they had to have watched. I mean, that was the only movie that was out in for three months over the, the spring and summer. You would hope. You would hope. But Teo Yu, he, I don't know. He didn't really stand a chance today, yeah, I guess, back in the long list. But it, we knew he past didn't lives. stand a chance yeah. today because Past Lives had a rough day. But this this category has been top-loaded for a while. Yep. It was Big Six, Barry Keoghan, Andrew Scott, maybe Zac Efron, some people have said. I've been banging on the door like they that should have released year. that movie in Thanksgiving, The Iron Claw. Christmas does. I'm, I'm convinced Christmas does more harm than good for awards. And yet the box the office, color purple. Yeah. The, the box offices work for The Iron Claw. That that movie's going to make money at the yeah. end of the day. But uh, yeah, no no surprises in lead actor. I will say that lead actor has the best crossover of all these sag categories the nomination crossover is 89 percent 129 of the last 145 sag lead actor noms have gotten oscar noms and in terms of the winner history it's 23 of 29 for a 79.3 percent i think that's going to be the highest of all the acting categories today and yet when i rely on it it screws me you um you might be a little snake bit you might just be (laughs) Anyway, we got to move to lead actress. <laughs> lead actress. All right, we have Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon. Her Oscars gambling odds have shortened 
to minus 187. She was like a plus 125 for this, Oscar. Yeah, this is over, guys. I think I'm getting the real feeling that this category is wrapped up. I was trying to tell you. I was trying to tell you. You yeah, and David right. a while ago. Em, right. Emma Stone of Poor Things, plus 163 now for Oscar. And she won Comedy or Musical right. at the Globes. She drifting. got SAG today. She's drifting. Minus 143 uh, was where she was at. She was kind of the leader. But, I mean, again, the odds are all over the place. Where did we pull from on odds checker? I, I don't remember. So maybe in some books she is still shorter than Gladstone. Who the heck knows? But I kind of did a – I scoured it. But, yeah, I mean, Lily Gladstone, 25 wins on the season. Emma Stone, 15 wins. Are you ready to call this a two-actress race? Yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, if that. Like I said, I mean, uh, it's it's going to be tough to deny Gladstone her first Oscar to give Stone her second one. Right. Don't you think? With the elegance. I mean, she, Lily Gladstone has been nothing but elegance personified. I think this is going to be a test of the new Academy versus the old Academy. Young, cool Academy like Pornhub. Young, young <laughs> new Academy like Theater Camp. That was Theater Camp Pornhub craziness that was out there, as Scott kept putting it. Emma Stone's performance in Poor Things well, what, is great. What, great performance. What you're, describing is, what you're describing is why Poor Things won't win Best Picture. <laughs> Sexy, funny, really weird. Yeah. Emma Stone went to 11. And I give her all the credit in the world. She's the most courageous person I have ever seen, um, you know, as an Oscars favorite mm -hmm. for a while. Now, I think what's more interesting about lead actress, though, is perhaps who's going to get nominated at the Oscars. Obviously, we saw Carrie Mulligan, who's plus 800 out of Maestro now. Margot Robbie, 16 to 1 out of Barbie. Those are three and four in terms of the Oscar betting odds. Mm -hmm. Annette Benning is all the way down. It's in seventh with 20 to one odds, or at least tied for seventh. She jumped over Sandra Huller and Fantasia Barino based on the betting odds. And I mean, they're all 20 to one this morning in terms of a mean, but I, I definitely saw shorter odds for Huller and Barino. So that's a development. Annette Benning getting in at SAG, the fact that they watched that instead of past lives and Greta Lee not getting it here either yeah. is also uh, a bit surprising. I thought I thought Lee had a chance to get over Benning today, but no. There was some weird voting in SAG, too. I, I mean, you know, The Color Purple does well, but Fantasia doesn't get nominated. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon's there in Ensemble, but Leo's not there. The two naiads are there. It's nothing else. American Fiction gets three, so there's like an overall look of parody to all these noms, but there's mm -hmm. some glaring omissions to get to that parody. Well, the four biggest names and the one clear uproariously great debut or, or really burst on the scene star making performance lily gladstone mm -hmm. those were your five lead actress sag knobs today that doesn't mean sandra huller or fantasia barino can't get in i would say the anatomy of a fall comparison has to go back to roma and i'm i'm guessing we're going to discuss this with scott but marina di tavera and yalizia aparicio did not aparicio did not get in either mm. back in 2018 that was probably the last time an international feature had real acting momentum, right? Or at least for Aparicio and Di Tafira came came out of nowhere that year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But neither of them got SAG nominated, so I, I think it's a moot point. A lot of people are wondering whether Huler was even eligible today. I think so. She was doing all kinds of SAG stuff, so I think she was. I think she must have gotten waivers during the New York Film Festival. 
I mean, why do you do four YouTube videos on on SAG after if, if you weren't a member of SAG? Probably a fair question. So the question comes to you, like, and this comes back to the, the timeless question: Does the Academy watch Anatomy of a Fall? <laughs> do they watch the Zone of Interest? Do they watch? Do they come back to past lives? Even uh, it might take some Courtney Cox viewing parties. I don't know. Uh, it's 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 a fair question and. I would hope yes, because look, the international films have have pervaded their way into other categories recently, right? Yes. I mean, yes. it's they they've been everywhere. It's not just been I mean, not just Best Picture, but you know, obviously, Parasite's the glowing example. But we've had them go into cinematography recently. We've had them go into director recently. We've had them going into the acting categories recently. This guy, I mean, yes, I I would hope that they are watched. So you know what? I wanted to come out of today saying, Nah, Sandra's still gonna get it. Because they just didn't watch it at SAG, or she wasn't eligible at SAG, and I've been making excuses all morning. And then after some coming to my senses here, maybe well, they SAG did doesn't watch go, it. The Oscars don't go five for five on the acting categories with SAG. There's your hope. To, okay. Right? I mean, I, I, I want Sandra right. Huller to be there over in at Benning, certainly. I've made that pretty right. clear. <laughs> we could see Fantasia Barino, too, if sure. Color Purple is sure. late-breaking. I mean, she was as short as plus 350 on the on the strength of our way too early predictions after the last Oscars, right. we know the lines makers follow us, and only that we yeah. are the the unofficial line setters. Of course, um, so that makes sense. We are responsible for yeah. your empty bank accounts, <laughs> <laughs> amongst other things. Anyway, I think uh, I think lead actress another top loaded category. I, I mean, Natalie Portman might have shown up today, but May December. Not a not a fan favorite over at SAG, I guess. Polarizing uh, movie, not surprised. Yeah, it's not a good movie, one would say. Okay, twenty-one <laughs> out of the last twenty-nine lead I'm actresses. Sorry, I don't like that movie. <laughs> you don't. Seventy-two point four percent in terms of winner crossover for SAG lead lead actress. A seventy-eight percent nomination crossover. One out one eleven out of one forty-one. Why one forty-one? I don't remember. But somehow Probably just adding on to previous years, maybe. Was there a year with six? Uh, I don't know I why don't that. Remember. Yeah, that is a weird number. That's a weird number. Mm. Maybe somebody did the math wrong. <laughs> I'm just going to say somebody, so it's not to not going to point fingers here. Blame. But we'll move on to the sporting categories quickly here. SAG supporting actress. We'll stick uh, with the actress side of things. Uh, Divine Joy Randolph, or Davine Joy Randolph, as some people have been saying, but it's weird because everybody's pronouncing it dif- differently. I, I'm, I'm ignorant. I need to. Figure well, it I'll out tell you what. Out. We'll have plenty of chances to figure it out because this this category is spoken for. Minus five hundred yep. now in terms of the Oscars. That is a short line, Michael. It was minus two twenty five before the Golden Globes. Prohibitive. Don't bother betting it now. Maybe throw it into a parlay if you can, but even that, I don't like doing. Danielle Brooks in SAG as well. Plus 500. She was as short as plus 350 now um, from the color purple. And she's the lone actress nominee from the color purple at SAG today, other than obviously the ensemble. But uh, I guess Fantasia not being here, that can't help Danielle Brooks. I'm shocked that the color purple, yeah, I'm shocked the color purple got ensemble with only one acting now. Right. Uh, Well, I mean, we've we've seen plenty of films get... You know, no acting now. Oh yeah, no, it's it's happened, but I just mean in this year in particular. I mean, it's just it's happened a lot. The field it is, but I'm you're right. Surprised. This year we've had some. This year, yes, mm-hmm. I would agree with. I you. mean, the this holdovers wouldn't have surprised me if they if they got the ensemble. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, 
I think they like the quote unquote award being is being as it sounds an ensemble. They like it when there's a bunch of great performances all the way down the card. They're not necessarily looking for three handers in SAG ensemble, okay. which is probably why poor things didn't get nominated either. But I've just noticed this over the years. We even ban even Banshees missed last year, didn't it? I mean, it's, you know, it's, and they had a ton of nominations, mm. but, uh, Fair point. I'm, I'm confirming Fair point. as much now. I should look this up before. No, Banshee's got it. I was going to say, go. I'm just going to take the point that you, you that Banshee's did get it because I felt like Banshee's got everything. One, time. two, three, four. I'm a dope. Yeah. Anyway, I step my, my point still. Now I'm totally discredited. Well, again. there goes that dream. Totally. <laughs> there goes that dream. You want to see my penis? <laughs> His two major. most famous right. roles. Emily Blunt, Oppenheimer, plus 600. She was shorter, plus 333 before than Golden Globes, but she's gotten everything up till now. Choice, Globe, BAFTA, Longlist, and SAG. So those three seem secure, we, we, we would think, for supporting actress nominations. I would think, yeah. I would guess so anyway, yeah. I would even, now, I Vegas mean, maybe is, Jodie Foster, too, to be honest. Yeah. Well, Jodie Foster was seventh in Vegas. Because you had Sandra Huller of the Zone of Interest, 22 to 1. American Ferrer as well. Taraji P. Henson kept showing up 20 to 1, at least on odds checker. That might have been an old odd, though. Mm -hmm. So even if you say Jodie Foster was 6th at 25 to 1, right next to Rosamund Pike and Penelope Cruz, her odds have got to be way better now. I mean, uh, Nyad goes 2 for 2. Penelope Cruz gets in from Ferrari, the lone nom there. Uh, they didn't even get stunts. Yes, yeah. kind of surprising, but Penelope Cruz is a favorite. So th these are the five, I would say, biggest acting names, even though or at least film names. Taraji P. Henson is a huge name in television. Julianne, uh, Julianne Moore. Moore. Okay, yeah. Right? Viola But Davis, those are five maybe. big names. Yeah, they're five big names, yeah. At least down the card. I, I, when you know Danielle Brooks bursting onto the scene, Divine Joy Randolph bursting onto the scene, those other three are... Uh, stars yeah and and hopefully randolph and brooks are future stars but i think uh, a lot of pe people thought viola davis today uh, rachel mcadams was was yeah a lot of people uh, hoped. had a tough day rachel mcadams a lot of people were hopeful for had a tough day hmm. claire foy all of us strangers no of the str none of the strangers no strangers got nominated which is better off a shame. Not but they're people. they're in for a big day they're in for a big day at BAFTA, yeah, we think. All of us strangers. Yeah, we have think. to guess. Yeah. That would be a home game for them. Andrew yeah. Scott, Paul Mescal. Okay. Uh, Claire Foy, Jamie Bell. We'll probably see them. At least some of them at a BAFTA 5. They're going to break through. I think uh, another hope of a lot of people was Kara Jade Myers of Killers of the Flower Moon. Played the sister of Lily Gladstone's character. She was 50-1 to 1 in a lot of rankings. She got a BAFTA long list, which make, made people believe. Not here. Yeah, eh, like I like you said. I mean, this is all these categories have felt like you know seven, eight names deep, and then you're picking from theirs, which is where we usually are at this time of year. So it feels kind of proper. I don't know that we're gonna I get. I feel a lot like of... some years were, some years were deeper, or no? Maybe that's just because of the the pandemic. I think years, yeah, so I think there are some years we wanted to not... like we feel it's deeper, but in terms of what will actually happen. What will actually happen is we think it's shallow, and then they'll pull from deeper, and then we'll yeah. feel silly. Eric Alexander. Which is what it. they do. Yeah, Judy Dench <laughs> is back in the race. There she is. Eric Alexander. We always loved her. She was always going to be here. What a performance. 
and and I hope I hope it is. American Fiction is the one big movie we still got to see. Yeah. Uh, okay, supporting actor. Oh, I probably should go over the supporting actress stats because I took a long time to figure them out. Twenty-two out of the last twenty-nine supporting actresses SAG one Oscar, seventy-five percent. One hundred six of one forty-six have been nominated. That's a seventy-two percent crossover in terms of SAG supporting actress nominations. All right, supporting actor Robert Downey Jr. since his Globe win shortened to minus three thirty-three fractional three tenths. Mm-hmm was minus 162 he's got 14 wins on the season after the globe obviously he's been nominated three tenths is minus 300 well that's not what my calculator (laughs) said i don't have a problem with gambling or anything but (laughs) yeah anyway uh ryan gosling maybe he's plus 300 no plus 30 333 (laughs) whatever his directional odds was i punch it into the calculator it's i I write down what it says it's um (laughs) 10 over 3 was is plus no, 333 3 over 10 is 300 uh, i have lost well, so much money this week mike <laughs> so 3 for the carry the 1 yeah uh-huh. okay i think i think you're right robert downey jr is a, a prohibitive favorite now too you think so minus 333 yeah, you're yeah. you're ready to say as much i'm not i mean i'm but not that's betting. not that's not biased at all coming through oh it's it is it's there's definitely some bias but i'm not i, I wouldn't bet it Anything minus you 300 heard, and beyond, I wouldn't touch it. There's no, there, there's no value. Ryan Gosling's comedic performance typically doesn't win. I would bet on Ryan Gosling right now with the plus 300 odds. Oh, I don't really? think he's going to win, but yeah, I would bet on him just because I like the value. Well, he's he's drifted from plus yeah. 175 to plus 333. He won that HCA. He's been nominated everywhere. In the three spot at Vegas is Charles Melton at plus 700. In the four spot is Mark Ruffalo at plus 900. Neither of them nominated today at SAG. I still Instead haven't seen have poor Robert things. I mean, how do you differentiate? Why does Ruffalo have such better odds than Defoe, for one? And why did Defoe get picked for SAG over Ruffalo? Ruffalo is a lot of fun in that movie. He's just a lot of fun. And it's such a goofy performance. Some people hate it, though. Okay. Friends of the show hate it. I particularly laugh at him throughout that movie. When he comes into that movie, it's really funny. It's really fun. The middle of that movie, poor things, is a lot of fun. So why did Defoe? He's get got picked? three wins on the year. Like Willem Defoe's also a fun character in that movie. He's got the funniest line, in my opinion. He just okay. kills me. I've been laughing at it for a week. <laughs> uh, he plays the Doctor Frankenstein character. Right. He's also bizarre, but he's fourteen to one now in Vegas, and he shows up today. People were comparing him to like the judy dench of belfast get getting in over katrina balf of belfast it's just the seniority thing because that's pretty much what we chalked that up to he's got some great scenes in there he's got the more serious part even though he is selling it with all of his being that this character has a soul (laughs) (laughs) when in fact he's probably just a a caricature (laughs) comedic caricature which is just brilliant by the way it really right. makes it funnier but i don't know i don't know to answer your question that could go either way at the academy level um or they can both you know vote share and not get in we'll have to wait and see but yeah i mean ruffalo and melton out de niro defoe and sterling k brown in sterling k brown is as short as 16 to 1 de niro 12 to 1 this is a two-guy race we're saying though 
Or or do you think it goes down to De Niro? Do you think uh, do you think Willem Dafoe will just have people that just say he's so overdue he needs to win? Sterling K. Brown, Force of Nature. I think there are star. three uh, noms that I'm sure of right now. I don't. I mean, as far as winners, okay. I still think it's going to be. I've I've just. I I've never yeah. heard. It's very odd to have people be so adamant so early in the year and be like, I've talked to Academy voters already, and this category is over. So that's why I've always thought it was Downey. Um, as far as who's going to make the Ken? field, what if it was? Go ahead. What if it was Gosling? What if it was Gosling? It's over. Go- Gosling's won. Then I would say that. That's what I would be telling people. <laughs> that's what I heard. But that is not what I heard. <laughs> what if it's Dominic Sessa all along? Well, then I'll have to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I texted that to you. I was like, Mike, do you feel bad that the that the all these actors clearly see the field the way I do with no Sessa, no Melton? They were all long shots. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Sessa was a long shot today. But yeah, Melton makes you uh you the cock of the walk. Unnervably happy. Unnecessarily joyful is uh it's a you, do you are you happy with yourself though? Like in Seinfeld when the doctor's talking about how he how he saw George after Susan died, I would call it restrained jubilation. <laughs> You're a jerk. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. So many people love him. Uh and And he's very good yeah, looking so, too. I saw so many people once having his picture from the Golden Globes and being like, Oh my god. He's a good looking dude. Not in that movie, but otherwise, he's a good-looking He gained dude. a lot of weight for the movie. He had to get to. It's he good. Wanted to. It's good. It's good. I'm not going right. so to be canceled. We've gained a lot of weight for <laughs> yeah. our movie, too. I, I gained a lot of weight on a Tuesday, so I get it. Coleman Domingo of The Color Purple, not here today. Magaro, Plemons, Howerton. Like, no darlings made it today. We said, I, Did I say that already with Mc, McAdams and Howerton? Anyway. Well, no, you said it for Mescal. supporting matches, but yeah, not, nothing. I mean, it, it was it, this was a kind of chalky overall field, right? Couple but surprises, we, we predicted as much. But yeah, yeah, like it's, I mean, this is this is the pool you're drawing from. It's like again, it's six, seven, eight names deep in every category, and that's the pool you're drawing from for the Oscars. Jamie Bell might surprise at the uh, BAFTA level, but you're right. Uh, we we kind of know the field at this point. Yeah. So this is the last like river wide version of this, I would say. And, uh, wow. All right. That's, uh, that's our SAG segment here. Did the DGA nominations drop yet? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, you look that up. I'm going to, I'm going to ruminate a guess. I'll put no at minus 200. Yes. At plus no, I don't, right. I don't yeah. see them yet. I think they're usually later in the day. We're kind of playing hooky right now. So yep. DGA critics choice this weekend. What else we got? PGA. PGA. When are noms? Noms have to be soon, right? Well, PGA noms and DGA noms. So we're going to have to talk about those along with our Critics' Choice recap, I would say. Or maybe we'll segment it out of there, kind of refer to them, and then talk about them with our BAFTA noms. I don't know how we're doing it this year. we got to figure it out. When are the Oscar noms coming out? You should probably know this. I, well, I should, but I don't. Yeah, it's No the, argument the about Tuesday. what I should know. Two, 15 days from now? Two weeks. Yeah, huh? the 25th. Really just saying that. Uh, hold on. Because I was looking back at old stuff, and I was. This, when the Oscars, I think I think the 2020 show, this I time. I kept three getting years, it confused. Four years ago? Three years ago was when we were doing 20th, our Oscar non predictions. Third? But that was also the February 9th the 25th. show. Why don't I know this? Just going to babble incoherently across one another. 23rd. 
why did I say the 25th? I always forget. 23rd. It's a Tuesday's 23rd or 25th. Who's on first to continue the uh, timely reference? <laughs> I was going to say, I can't help you out. I don't know where you're going. <laughs> January 23rd, 2024 is Oscar nomination morning. There you go. Uh, and there it all is, and that is your uh, SAG nomination uh, review and reaction show. Once again, our thanks to our buddy Scott Yeager. Uh, as always, we haven't talked to you. We yet. haven't thanks talked to you for, in real uh, life, but we hope he's he's okay, <laughs> uh, guys. As always, what matters most to us, dear listener, are your thoughts. What were your reactions to the SAG nominations? Who do you think got snubbed, and what were you happy to see? As well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns. As always, you can leave us all of those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at mm and Oscar. Oscar on Twitter or X, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We're available wherever you do hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, tell the well, we just went over what's coming next, but if you have anything else to add there, and uh, let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Well, follow Scott Yeager. Follow him yeah. at Shot of Yeager on Twitter, at Scott of Yeager on Instagram, and certainly go to challengemania.live to uh, go and find him in a city near you with the Challenge Mania live show. And Scott is, of course, the host or one of the co-hosts of the Challenge Mania podcast. Uh, and, yeah, look forward to him coming back on the show for SAG Mania. I guess this is SAG Mania 3. Are we Roman numerals with these? I believe we are. So, yeah, SAG Mania 3 after the SAG Awards on February 24th. Of 2024, we'll have SAG. Uh, we'll have Scott on soon after. I don't think WrestleMania went to regular numbers until 17 when they did X7. So mm-hmm. we've got to do this for like another decade. I'm pretty and a half. sure I'm about to insult you right now <laughs> with the fact that wrestling fans uh-huh. are not interested in. Uh, in Latin or Roman numerals. Oh, hard, hard disagree, sir. <laughs> hard disagree. This is based on the latest TikTok fad of everybody being into Rome. No, it's 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 based on WrestleMania. The new Roman numerals were a huge part of wrestling history. Okay, <laughs> you're not impressed by this. I'm just no. I'm, it's not that I'm not impressed. It's that I just don't believe you. I don't. I don't know what to tell. I mean, okay. I don't know what. I don't know. How do I? What do you want? You want to ask wrestling fans if they like Roman New? What do you want to do here? What's the? Well, how do we? How do I, am, we I don't know how this would you, ever get settled. I feel like I was trapped. No, I just I'm never going to believe you. I feel like I was trapped because I, you and Scott are both huge wrestling fans. He's going to listen back to this. We haven't even recorded with him yet. I've just insulted both of you. Yeah, but I'm used and to And you, you cornered me into doing it. I, what are you I, talking about? It wasn't about? my fault. <laughs> it wasn't my fault because wrestling fans, there's no way they took Latin in, in high school. There's no way. That's not what you Why said. Why do they care about Roman you said numerals? You don't, yeah, you said they don't care about Roman numerals. Yeah, I would guess that they don't care about Roman numerals. I would bet you if you showed any hardcore wrestling fan the Roman numerals up to 15, they would react with a match. Okay. That would be my bet. All right. I stand, I guess I stand corrected, wildly corrected. I am egg on my face. 13, they might Like Charles Melton, 
egg on my face. Hot dogs in my fridge. Like uh, getting high on my roof. <laughs> level humiliated right now. Trying to trying to remember which WrestleMania it was, but it doesn't matter. All right, we got to end the show. Anyway, guys, <laughs> when reality sucks, you could care about Roman numerals or not with us. Uh, our thanks to our buddy Scott once again. Uh, uh, yeah. We think. We're Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.